You're listening to an Elephant Shoe podcast with your host, Andrea Zabo. I'd like to welcome you to our Elephant Shoe podcast. Right now, I'm here with Maureen Daniels, more than just a retired psychologist. She's uh, actually an amazing lady. And today, we're going to be sharing our thoughts with you. Hello, Maureen. Welcome. And hello to you too, Andrea. Now, Maureen, since our last episode, which was on Nurture Nature, we have had a listener send an email in. So I'm going to read it and perhaps we can answer the question because this person does have a question. It just says, GC from the Gold Coast, don't know if it's a male or female, but let's get into the letter. It says, I have listened with interest to your episodes on the Elephant Shoe podcast. And in the last one, you discussed the nature versus nurture concept. I hope you don't mind, but I have a question. I've been trying to manage my anxiety for most of my life. I am 64 now and realise that it is within my control to change how I feel through strategies such as reframing my thoughts, avoiding certain situations and even medications, just to name a few. How important is it for me to understand whether my anxiety is something in my genetic makeup? She puts in brackets, I know my father suffered the same condition or if it is environmental brackets, certain life events may have well contributed. Will understanding this help me to find strategies? If it is genetic, can I change my anxiety? If it is environmental, I feel I have a chance, but sometimes I wonder if it is just the way I am. What do you think? Thank you for a fabulous podcast, GC from the Gold Coast. So basically she's asking whether her anxiety is nurture or nature and is that important to understand Either way. Firstly, I think she's to be congratulated on all the things that she's doing. She's being very proactive in her own uh, management of, of her anxiety. And secondly, really when it comes down to nature and nurture... It would be very difficult to to really prove, if you like, that it's that it is nature. Even though her father had anxiety, it doesn't mean to say it was in his genes, so to speak. And also, as she's been growing up, she's been growing up in an environment where her father was modelling, if you like, anxiety and how to deal with things or not deal with them, whatever. So it would be hard to to really to to make a decision. Finding a source of anxiety also is important in the sense that it gives us a reference point to work with. However, whether it's nurture or nature, I don't think seems to be a major contributing factor. No, you, I, I think that's right. I think it's a mute point whether it is nature or nurture. It's interesting. What she's doing is treating the symptoms of anxiety, which is excellent, or how the, how the anxiety is manifesting itself. But you've just touched on the other thing too. Are there other things, perhaps from her childhood or earlier events in her life, that are actually silently contributing to that? Well, that's what I wanted to talk about today, right? Is, is these events, and I'm just going to label events at the moment in a dramatic way, which is trauma. So if we look at trauma itself where it's important to understand it is complex and quite individualized experience and that some individuals may experience different types of trauma simultaneously or have variations and the impact of trauma can vary from person to person what affects one person might not affect the other and that not everyone experiences a traumatic event will get post-traumatic stress disorder or anxiety or other things coming from it if we define trauma as being deeply distressed or perhaps being disturbed by an experience or event that overwhelms us and leaves us with a lasting impact. And that could be an impact on our emotion, 
our psychological well-being or even our physical well-being. If we were to look at the traumas that we could possibly touch on today because we don't go too in-depth. So if we are looking at trauma, you know, the acute trauma would have to be, you know, that initial one-off event, perhaps like a car accident, natural disaster, or maybe an assault or even witnessing a violent incident. And then we've got the chronic traumas, which are the ongoing traumas, perhaps like uh, domestic violence or something like that, or even complex traumas um, from sexual abuse growing up things. These are just small examples. Vicarious traumas are the ones that therapists and first uh, responders, journalists even can experience. So they're watching something in front of them secondarily. However, it does have an impact. And then of course, uh, the developmental trauma, which is where it's an early life experience that's actually impacting on the brain when it's developing. And that can be quite profound and long lasting. So there are some of the types of trauma that we can look at. I think, do do you want to choose which trauma would be the the best one to start with? Uh, The one that comes to mind is perhaps the effect of a more severe trauma, the one-off trauma, um, because that has profound effects on the the physicality and and biochemistry of a person at that time. I think we've all heard of a a startle response. Um, So at the time of the trauma, such as someone's there with a gun or there's an intruder in the house or something, at that time, you go into a startle response where you can, uh, where, where the person can freeze, or you've heard of the flight or fight response, um, or, or in fact freeze because the body actually changes. We have a chemical change that goes through our body. I think we've all heard of, the, you know, having a, an adrenaline rush, but it changes everything in our being at that split second of time. So, so you're saying the body's reaction initially to an impact of a trauma can set us into a place of freeze and then possibly fight or flight? Uh, yes, sometimes that comes secondary. Sometimes people just take off and don't even think, but they're able to move. Other people aren't. But in that initial phase, um, often you'll hear people talk about time slowing down. They get a, a distorted sense of time. They can't think they can't react in the normal way that they would on, a, on an everyday basis. And also what I think is very important for the long term of anxiety is the, the way they think about what's going on is affected. Okay, so, so that time changing, I remember a friend uh, was nearly hit by a car and she said everything went into slow motion as it was happening. So that initial impact it's natural for your body to flood your system with chemicals through fear and potential loss of life or or how dramatic it is. I don't know. It depends on the circumstances. But that flooding of the body of chemistry just can put you into a freeze mode like a deer in, in the headlights. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and keep, in, keep in mind that this response is actually a biological necessity in life it, for us to save, the organism to save itself. So if you think back at the, the example we often use in psychology is uh, you think of um, um, Mr. Grug walking along the jungle path and there's a roar of a saber-toothed tiger or something very nearby. At that split second in time, his body has to be equipped to uh, get out of there, to stand there and fight it, uh, sometimes freeze a little for a, you know for a while. But if he doesn't do something, he's yeah. lunch. So it's really all of those chemicals are there. They actually change the blood flow through the body and things like that. So that's designed to save the organism. Um, where our trouble comes in with trauma is there's okay. There's a trauma of the, you know Mr. Grug on the jungle trail or wherever. His body needs to, his mind and body needs to remember 
better watch it when you go down this path because last time I went there, there was a saber-toothed tiger or whatever. So what happens in, in our lives, we're not worried about saber-toothed tiger, but a, a moment of threat imprints on us so that anything that approximates that, uh, whether it's a noise, a smell, a person, for example, male, you know, if it was a, a male who was involved, uh, is enough to set off that same hypervigilance you had when you were first, say, attacked, it sets off that hypervigilance and that's the hypervigilance that people live with ongoing through their lives. And that could be anxiety. Oh, definitely. It, it leads to anxiety. As human beings, we're not designed to be in a hyper alert state all the time. We have peaks and troughs. Peaks when, um, um, you know, the local tribe come along and pinch one of the women out of the tribe or something and there's a great flurry and off we go to war and, you know, try and get our woman back or something like that. And then everyone settle, settles down, talks about the event and goes back to their normal daily living. They, they're not stressed all the time. Whereas our modern society, it seems to be compounded all the time with constant stress yes. which when you're triggered which is what you were talking about when you have that smell or sound or something that reminds you of something that did cause trauma and you're already at that heightened level it just keeps pushing the anxiety through the roof yes. so from what I'm hearing you saying is really we have to acknowledge where there was trauma in our past to recognize that that still might be driving some of our behaviors here in the in the present. Yes, exactly right. I can think of a lady whose father was very aggressive and angry and he never knew when the hand grenade was going to go off and that stayed with her throughout throughout her life. So ever, uh, later on when she was in a work situation, if there was a man there who in some way triggered that by his attitude or you know, even pointing out you failed again in something because some bit of paperwork or typing wasn't right or whatever, that was enough to then elevate the anxiety very much. So recognising our past traumas can help us in our relationships now because if you are sensitive to being around anger, you will be responsive to that. Whereas if you know that it is in that time where you are in that office and it's happening, it's not the same as it was before. So let's just say this lass is around someone that is aggressive, they're getting aggressive. What advice would you give to her in that moment of aggression? Yeah, the the first well, the first thing, even just preceding that, is the work is to recognise. Hang on, my response to this belongs in the past when I was experiencing that, all those things as I was growing up, and and then to rehearse it in her mind before she went in with with the person to say, okay, this is not personal. This is not my father going off. You know, pre pre arming herself in a sense, being able to walk away from it. But also sometimes we would use some little well, what little barrier could we put put between you and the boss and and you'd get all sorts of things like what I remember one lady saying that she had a vision of having a, a white light so she had a white light all you know all around herself so she was protected when she went in there but in doing that it actually makes her pre-arm for to be ready for the in inverted commas assault mm-hmm. she's ready for it but she's protected from it at the same time. She's not going in with her guard down and all of a sudden, bang, it hits her. So if your guard is down and all of a sudden, bang, I would sort of see that really just, as you said, remembering that this feeling is coming possibly amplified because of the past and to stop 
and actually really assess where you are. Okay, I'm in, in my office, I'm wearing my red dress, I'm noticing the front door's there or the door's over there and, and my desk is there and oh, I can hear Kathy in the background. Oh, that's right, I'm here. And he's just going off like a firecracker because that's what he does and it's not personal. Rehearse it in her mind before she went in with, with the person to say, okay, this is not personal, this is not my father going off, you know, pre, pre-arming herself in a sense. I think there is a lot of power in recognising where it came from and, and I hasten to add that doesn't mean blame the original perpetrator or whatever. It's just saying this came from this event or this was like. But once you make that cognitive connection, that thought connection, uh, that gives you a lot of a, a choice, if you like, over it, a bit more power over it. Because up until then, you've been blind to it, and it's my God, this 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 person has spoken to me, and look at look at the mess I'm in. You know, I'm crying, uh, gone off crying in the toilet or something, and I don't understand why. Mm. I just feel I'm being picked on. Whereas once you start start to understand where this has probably come from, a a childhood full of aggression, and you've never learned to protect yourself, you have a lot of power then to start making choices about what you do. Beautiful. And I think one thing that might be good to touch on too is that in that time of trauma, when you recognise it at that time, to really see it for its truth, not what could be a myth around it. Like an example, I would think that if you're in a a traumatic situation or it's actually really life-threatening, the after talk from that, I think is really important. So if anyone's listening and might experience a trauma in the future, it's really important to remember that how you talk to yourself after that traumatic event because your body's flooded with different chemicals and there's lots going on that it's helpful to keep it real and not go into a fantasy of what what would have happened if or I could have died. Do you want to just elaborate on that a bit? If we go back to, to that situation when the, when the assault or attempted whatever is, is taking place, one, one of the things that changes is because we're so paralysed, often quite paralysed and can't move and can't do anything and, and think we're going to die, we... No, I'm sorry, because because we can't do anything, we think we are going to die. And some people actually say, I felt like I died at that time. And that becomes, if you like, a hidden script for them um, as you know, as as events evolve afterwards. So that can become a bit of a mantra of, uh, I, I could have died, I could have died, um, you know, I could be dead now. Um, so that becomes a, a mantra that someone has to address over time so that they get a real script, a reorientation of what really happened rather than what could have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also when people are actually talking with them to make sure that they, I suppose in the first instance, take the opposite of that and minimise it by saying, oh, you, it wasn't that bad and play it down uh, or, or continually saying to the person, oh, that's terrible, you could have died, you could have died, you could have died. Um, so those, they're not helpful statements. What would be a helpful statement? Really, it's, it becomes down to saying, are you okay in, in the broader sense of that? What do you need to do now? Are there people to contact? Do you need, is there someone you can be with? You know, more the practical things in that very first phase of everything and seeing that they obviously that they feel safe and protected at that time in the broader sense of the word, but they feel comfortable to be able to, to do that and remove themselves from the scene, of course, if they if they're able to. So when someone starts to process afterwards... Keeping to the facts is really important and not going into that myth of what ifs and coulds and shoulds and oh, I would have died, I could have died. The bottom line is 
They came through the front door. I was sitting in the chair and the one in the yellow jacket did this and the one in the red jacket did that. But keeping to the facts is really important in dealing with trauma in a healthy way. I hope that was helpful for you listening in to our Elephant Shoe podcast. I'd like to thank Maureen again for coming in. My pleasure, Andrea. We'll be back again the last Friday of the month and we hope you can join. Love and light.